Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fish, Stripes, and Filtered, episode 36. Um, it's going to be a good week of baseball. Baseball is almost back. We have WBC this week weekend with the start of Venezuela versus the DR. And we have a very special guest here today. But before that, Isaac, what's up? We're going to be up in Jupiter this weekend. We're going to have a good time. And uh, we have uh, Eli also with us here today who's going to be up there. So couple, next couple of days are going to be pretty good in terms of coverage and all that stuff. How are we? Yeah, the next couple of weeks at least will be full of coverage from my end anyway. I'll be there the next couple of days with some family. I'll be there during the weekend with some family. I'll be doing some coverage as early as next week as well. So I'll be spending at least the next 10 days up near Roger Dean. Yeah, yep. and as you alluded to, I'm making my annual trip in for spring training all the way down on Thursday. I'll be around all that weekend and um, mostly in Jupiter, but seeing some WPC on Sunday. If anybody of our listeners are around uh, – around a ballpark at all over those next few days. It'll be easy to find me down there as well as our entire group as well. So I look forward to seeing as many people as possible, obviously as many players as possible and other team personnel to really make my trip worthwhile, but fun to be on this pod in the meantime. And today we have a very special guest. We've had him on before and it's an honor to have him back on again. We have Joe Frasaro of man on second base. Joe, how are we? How are we doing? I saw you, I believe on Saturday and um, just, you know, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, yeah, like the same. I'll be at. Uh, I'm doing. I just was up in Jupiter quite a bit, but I'll be uh, kind of focused this weekend on the WBC and 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 some other things I'm working on. But uh, in the meantime, uh, yeah, it's great to be here and uh, to do this show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yep, I'll let Eli take it away. Yeah, right off the top, we got some news this past weekend about the passing of Colin McRae, and that's a name that I'm sure fans are probably not very familiar with, but you, Joe, uh, you got to know him very well through the years. He was, for many years, the Marlins video coordinator. He joined the team in 97, and he'd been their video coordinator all the way from 98 through 2012, and then he stuck around all the way to 2015, another position, almost two decades around the team. Uh, I got to know him a little bit in recent years, even after leaving the team. He just stayed. He was a true Marlins fan even after that point. But since the news came out a couple of days ago, uh, I've been hearing from former players and people that were around Colin McRae that just had so many positive things to say about who he was and how talented he was and how um, the kind of vibe that he brought to all his interactions. So if, if you could, would be interested in hearing your perspective on what you got to know about yeah, C-Mac yeah, while uh, he was around. Uh, to say stunned would be an understatement. Uh, yesterday I was home and I got a text from Manny Cologne, you know, the former traveling secretary that Manny now works with Oakland. And he texted me to say that Cullen had passed and it just shocked, you know, and, and disbelief. And, and I went over to, you know, see Mac and I were, you know, Facebook friends and such. I went over to his page and it was, you know, everyone eulogizing in him and, and just stunning. You know, I, like you say, I, I knew I started on the beat in 02 and, and C-Mac was part of the daily, you know, just being around the club every day and seeing him, getting to know him and wrote many stories on him. And I was kind of at the angle of the guy who records and logs every at-bat of every player but never sees the game live because while the games were being played on the field, Colin McRae was back videoing. And back when he started, he was using those uh, – he was on the VCR. So he like if they were every player he had their V8 their VHS tape and it just is how far back we've gone in in the video technology of the sport. But let's say you know Juan Pierre was up to lead off, he would put the Juan Pierre tape in, whatever the outcome was, they'd come out to Luis Castillo and so forth, and he couldn't miss a pitch, you know, all the time. And the pitchers and setting up camera angles, it was always uh, obviously the son of Hal McRae, the brother of Brian McRae. Uh, Brian McRae and I worked at MLB.com together. It was real early years. Brian was doing broadcasting. He, of course, played a little bit in the big leagues. Uh, Hal McRae, a great player and, and a manager. Just a, a tremendous loss and uh, uh, just very, very saddened by this. And it's been a rough, rough three days because also you caught wind of the of Dave Wills of, uh, of uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a radio voice. He passed yesterday. And I'm wearing my, I'm a longtime Leonard Skinner fan. I'm wearing Leonard Skinner shirt, waking up this morning and finding out that Gary Rossington, the last original member of Leonard Skinner, had passed at age 71. So it's been kind of, a, you know, reminded how fragile life can be and why we need to appreciate. But uh, in honor of Cullen McRae, RIP, my friend, uh, great guy and, uh, you know, did a great job and uh, just beyond words, stunned and shocked and sad. Anything on your end, Isaac? Or no, I think Joe summarized it great. Yep. So, I guess to lighten up the mood a little bit, uh, Joe, I think um, I think we're gonna go back to the off season. We haven't had you on in a while, so we want to get your perspective. What were your thoughts on the Marlins off season? Obviously, we get, we get the acquisition of Arise, signing of Segura, Cueto, a couple other trades here and there, and we have a very different Marlins defense, but a lineup that looks you know, on paper looks better offensively. 
Um, it was slow and then fast. Like they, they, they were very reactive or passive, if that's the right word, because they didn't really do much until like basically mid-January. And then they kind of made their moves. Uh, um, it's really, really hard in the National League East to trade, especially when you are not as talented as the three main teams in front of you and they are all spending money and they're bringing in a trade turner and, and so forth. And then you have to part with your second best pitcher to get what you hope now is your best hitter. Um, it's hard to go toe to toe with those type of teams. I think in a vacuum, you could look at trades and say, we like this move or don't like this move. But in terms of making the club dramatically better to be competitive, uh, I think they missed the mark by a pretty wide margin. Uh, but you know, they, they made moves, uh, but you know, you got, I would have liked to seen if you thought Jose Abreu was the bat, just make the overpay on Jose Abreu. Don't make the overpay on Johnny Cueto, um, you know, or, you know, go two years at 17 for Gene Segura, uh, because while these are nice players and nice additions, they're more complimentary. I don't think you really dent what the Phillies did with those kind of moves. Well, I think one of the things that Marlins fans are really worried about is, you know, the center field situation now. Obviously, they have decided to put Jazz Chisholm Jr. out there. You said that they didn't really do enough. What would you have liked to see them do for that position in particular? Well, it wouldn't have necessarily addressed center, but I wouldn't have minded seeing, you know, Randy Rosarena here. Cool. You know, and I think there was a potential of a Pablo Lopez. I didn't totally have it confirmed, but I think you could have possibly, you know, used that chip for Randy Arozarena, um, which is to me a more dynamic middle of the order bat yeah. uh, and presence. Uh, but, you know, Luis Arias is a very, very talented hitter uh, who probably will even have his slugging tick up a little bit in in Lone Depot, not the home runs per se, but I think he's going to find more doubles and triples uh, in, the, in our ballpark because I think those balls in the gap will will be deep enough for him to be able to take second base. But I still think he's more of a table setter than a run producer is what they really need. As for center field, I probably would have had Jazz be my last resort, not my fallback resort. If you wanted Jazz in the outfield, I almost would have rather you put him in left field uh you know they did not have the stress of that and i don't really like moving my all-star second baseman who was finding his niche there uh and making him in an uncomfortable and that you know jazz is athletic enough that he could do well but you know to play at the level is is a little bit more than six weeks of spring training and hitting fungos or or whatever type of scenarios happen in three or four innings he's on the field yeah i think one of our uh contributors made a very good point saying that yeah he's gonna have six weeks but that's gonna be a roger dean stadium when they report to lone depot park it's a whole new ball game for jazz that. it's also isaac you have to keep in mind too they all you hear a lot of these players talk about play with that second deck or third deck uh their your sight line's different you know, he's looking at a press box that's not super high off the ground. You know, the balls, it's all day games. Yes, there's a few night games, but for the most part, day games. Uh, getting the reads there and, and getting used to, you know, seeing the ball come up through that 
that sphere. So I guess the answer would have been if we had to do with what they have, are, are they better with Dela Cruz in center and Jazz in left to just, okay, you got his bat in the outfield? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's I, I, I love Jazz. I want Jazz to succeed. And just because the player told the front office he's willing to do it, yes, it, it makes for it. Does, because I was there when Hanley Ramirez, they sign Jose Reyes and Hanley Ramirez says, I'm the shortstop. And so from day one, you have an uncomfortable situation where you got, no, we signed this guy to be $107 million to be the shortstop thinking you would go to third, but no, I'm really the shortstop. So Hanley transitioning to third never really went smoothly. Uh, at least they avoided that and Jazz being a good good teammate and a good soldier to do that. But I want my best young players being in the optimal positions to succeed and excel without being asked to do something that isn't necessarily in their wheelhouse. And something, you know, that, that I think we can mention with Jazz in center field is the conditions that he's playing. I mean, you know, we see him make these excuses, true or not, he's going to say it with the with the ball being a little wet because of the field and then him trying to dig the run or whatever that is. I think today would have been a nice day to see him play some center field and Tropicana, the, the domed roof, maybe not because that's that's close as you'll get to replicating Lone Depot Park. I think it would have been nice to see him play today. I know the not none of the regulars made it out or almost none of them, but I would have liked to see Josh play some center field today. I mean, just to well, not yeah, yeah, you make the call. I think the fact that they're all leaving for the WBC, I think obviously, I guess they want to skip wanted to line up one last time and they decided yeah. to just make it Fort Myers. Um, they could have, they could have made, I guess, I guess Andy pitched today. So, so you could have technically sent everybody up to Tampa, but not to, not to Boston. Um, I don't think one day, Kevin's going to really matter that much in that regard. Yeah. But yeah. I do think this, I want, I would, if I'm skip and not that they ever ask me anything, uh, I would keep the starting projected as many guys in camp. I think Cooper's always on the field with a Well, rise, I guess going to WCBC and Segura, right? Uh, yeah. But they're all together. I, I don't want to, they all, wherever they go, uh, Garcia, Soler, Jazz, uh, Cooper, Stallings, whoever they think is going to be, I think that unit, especially that they're trying to learn Skip's way, and, and I don't think you, you yes, uh, you kind of mix and match on road trips and so forth. I would keep as many of the regulars together and play them together to at least get some sort of continuity, to, especially Jazz in the outfield. Uh, I want to know that Garcia is there. I want to know the communication, uh, whoever's in left, whether it's Solaire or whomever, I guess, you know, you're going to have to split up somebody at some point, but I would keep my projected as many of the eight together the rest of spring training. Yeah, and I, I do want to ask you, Joe, let's say ahead. this doesn't work. Jazz and center doesn't work. What do you think should be that backup plan for the Marlins? Maybe it's too early to be asking this, but from what we have seen so far, it's been a struggle for Jazz and, you know, God knows how long, how much longer this is going to last, although it does look like it'll last throughout the whole season. Well, we haven't talked yet that Arise isn't exactly a great second baseman either, defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the question then becomes, do you move Arise to first, Jazz back to second, and Cooper to DH? Uh, and Solaire, I mean, do you go that route? But you do that, especially if you if they are insisting they won't do that. And if they do do that, um, I probably get more mad at them for completely being wishy-washy and not having the conviction, but... I think that would be the most natural way to go. 
And yeah. I think you mentioned what, how you'd want to see these guys play together as much as possible. I think up the middle, that's you know very true. You want to see Joey Wendell, who I guess they're insistent on being their guy at short, with Luis Arise at second, them playing as many games together. How much do you think they're going to really miss Miguel Rojas playing short? Since 2017, they haven't had a uh, They're going to miss him immensely. There's no doubt. They're going to miss him. And I get it why he, why he was moved. I get it, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. Yeah. But uh, it's like... Well, now you're going to see the results. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> now the reality kicks in. You know, your your shortstop is and not that Joey can't be a competent shortstop, but he's played what all of 20, 20 games of max in a year, and he's what thirty one to thirty two years old. So, and then what are you going to do? You're going to put a lot of pressure on Jacob Maya, who's never played in the big leagues, and somehow try to rush his development for defense, which we don't. know. I mean, it's we could say he's yes, he's. He grades out to be a solid defensive player, but do they do they start to the clock on him or or even <clears throat> you know uh, hurt his development if he has to be used for his long term? I, I think the toughest thing they've done is they're on record saying they they're a playoff contender. So you're you're kind of when you do that you you kind of okay well go be a playoff contender now. Uh, so I think they kind of boxed themselves into some very difficult spots. And when, you're, when your strength is pitching, I think it's very tough to be so, you know, it's okay to sacrifice some defense. But when you're sacrificing defense all over the infield and in the outfield, it's going to make for a pretty tough situation, no? No, of course. <laughs> That's the, yeah, I mean, the way this team is structured, the pitching can't take any setbacks. Exactly. Everyone's got to be much better, and including Sandy, who had the career year. I mean, if Sandy's ERA goes to three one and he pitches just two hundred innings, it's still a very good, very good year. But it's like, you know, their margin for error so thin right now, and that's and that's even taking away uh, injuries, which always happen. I guess no. the best news, guys. I, I I don't know if this is out. Usually, Eli is all on top of it, uh, which I heard. And I guess the. One, I think, a positive I heard is that Edward Cabrera indeed has an option. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard that, but he I had, had not. A, I had not heard that. Yeah, and if you go now and look at fan graphs, they're up to date on that. I had heard that that he and Sixto, and I wasn't sure if Sixto was completely out or, or whatnot, but they have options, both of them. Uh, yeah. And that is huge because now you, you have yeah. some flexibility if Cabrera, for whatever reason, is right. – uh, either struggling or not built up right, because the worry with Edward isn't never is never the stuff; it's the health. Uh, so, but there, um, that's good news. So I like that. Yeah, that was, yeah that I was knew it about. I knew about six though, going back a while now. But yeah, with Edward, that is uh, that makes a big difference because this was a, we just touched on this last week on our show about uh, Edward and his place on the team, and like so much of that was based around the premise that he was out of options and. This certainly changes the equation. Even though there was a lot of positive from Edward last year, un there's underlying concerns. I mean, there were um, there were times where his control got away from him, and the durability continues to be the biggest thing. Where if it's a player that, if all goes well with Edward, is he really going to make 32 starts this year? Probably not, because based no, on his history, it's very of very tough, blow. very tough. Because yeah. it's not fair to him, because that's what you're asking now. You're asking for okay. Let's say. Sandy's Sandy, and he, we're not worried about Sandy. He's going to be fine, right? Lazard, let's even get benefit of doubt. He'll have consistent enough mechanics and stay healthy and be at least 25 to 30 starts. We'll give you that. Uh, there are signs pointing that Trevor Rogers 
it, it could have a he's a good bounce back candidate. Uh, so okay, those three guys, you you could win a good number of games you know, on paper with three decent guys, you know, three guys like that, assuming they're all they're all fine. Well, Cueto is a year older. Um, you know, it's it's not that you lost Pablo's 150 innings or whatever he threw and got Cueto's 150, so they just interchange. The quality of stuff of the two is night and day. It's not even yeah. not even yeah. debatable. It's like you basically got an outlier type year from Cueto, who to his credit, he, he did it and got eight million dollars for it. And and great for him. But ideally, that's your depth fifth starter, not your veteran has to be a two, maybe a three. Um, and then that allows you room with Garrett and and uh, whoever else might might factor into the equation. What do you what do you do a six man Joe six man rotation? They never work. Everyone talks it, and then they yeah. usually get screwy uh, because then somebody in the bullpen it is awkward. Uh, um, yeah, you could do it, and and let's say you do keep Sandy on five five days, and everyone else is going what sometimes seven days. It's you're not really going to get that continuity. It's um, I always. I like the theory of the six-man rotation, and it can work more realistically with the 26-man roster where you for sure have 13 pitchers, you know, that you could figure it out if you got those. I always like the Castano types. I can start and give you three innings out of the pen, you know, give you that those type of guys. Um, but you really have to think it out. You have to think it out. And, and that's more than just a, a quick hit. Oh my God, this might work type of thing. Um, I, I I rather let you know somebody like Yuri, and that's just assuming Yuri is ready, and he certainly wouldn't be up before the day, before the All Star break, in my opinion. Um, you know, just get him down to minors, get his work in, let him develop instead of somehow he's part of a six man rotation and and we're babying his innings. And because I think we just saw what what Philly is doing, doing with Painter. Andrew Painter, they're fine. Nineteen-year-old as well. Once you start putting in their in their head, they could be in the big leagues right away. Things change, you know. You, you kind of th those are way too valuable commodities to mess around with. I get it, Philly. They're you know they went to the World Series. They're two wins shy of winning it all. Uh, if Painter helps them from day one, but a team like the Marlins, I think they really realistically, yeah, if they catch lightning in a bottle and get hot when the season starts, so be it. But you can't you can't rush. Yuri Perez, you know, under any circumstance, because every scout I talked to and we saw him pitch the other day and he's fine. He's doing fine, but he's looking like a 19 year old gaining experience. He still needs to work on fastball command. He's still his secondary pitches had flash plus change up. Uh, his slider was a little sloppy the other day, but it, it shows enough to be plus slider. We, we can't sit around and say we're ready to take on the Mets and Braves right now with, and Yuri's our guy. It's it's not it's not as polished as when a nineteen year old, twenty year old Jose Fernandez, who was ready to be in the big leagues. Yeah, that's exactly what Christina told me the other day, actually. And it, assuming that you know, I do see here that Edward Cabrera does have one option. Assuming that they do go with a five man rotation, how would you build that team? Would you have Braxton in AAA if he were the sixth guy, or do you have? He could one? win the job. He could win it. Yeah, I, I have no problem with him winning the job. Yeah, if he's throwing well, I haven't seen him yet. But if he's throwing well, then yeah, he could be in that. I have no problem with that. He's three he's left. ready. He's ready. Oh, I, I know you're going with three lefties. Yeah, 
I, I get that, but I, I think if I'm the Marlins, I'm going with my best five. You but have it, to. You need a fast I mean, start. You need a fast yeah. start. Not only that, especially with the defense you have behind you, you kind of want – I guess you have your inning eater and Johnny Cueto, and then the three other guys are more strikeout-oriented yeah, guys. You hope he's your inning eater. You hope. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he has not looked good so far, but yeah. that's spring, spring training, so – and then I like what you said with Pablo and, and, and Cueto. You, you do notice the difference because Pablo, very strikeout-oriented. He does get the ground ball. But Cueto, I mean, we saw Cueto put up his lowest K for nine of his career this past year and very, very high ground ball rates. So you kind of hope that Cueto could kind of translate that to uh, Lone Depot Park, which is a lot – I believe it's more pitcher-friendly than uh, yeah, here yeah. in the field. Yeah, everywhere. So, yeah. So you kind of hope that that translates. So, uh, Joe – We've kind of seen a couple weeks of spring training so far. The Marlins are 1-8-1. Um, unlike other years, this team's losing in spring training. We usually see them getting yeah. a good amount of wins. What have been your initial assessments so far on the Marlins' uh, spring training, you know, aside from wins and losses, just guys on the field? I mean, sadly, they're kind of what I thought they were going to be. You know, they're going to struggle defensively. They're not a complete team. Um, it's kind of hard to not stumble into a couple of more wins just based on how spring training works. But uh, it just shows that, uh, you know, defense matters. <laughs> it really does. You know, and, uh, you know, okay, if we're going to just look at, you know, what they're building, what they're they're doing, um, Skip's going to work a lot on, on base running. That That's kind of an opportunity uh, for them to kind of make a difference if they could, you know, take advantage of extra bases and, and run the bases well. I think that speaks for a lot of teams or a lot of base running has kind of become a lost art in recent years. Yeah. Uh, and I think that a team that kind of can do it well, um, you're going to have to do it with Jazz. You're going to have to do it with Wendell. Um, you know, guys like that are going to have to be kind of your catalyst that to get, you know, able to take, you know, steal a run, steal a – you know, steal a base and such. So, uh, so I think that that's encouraging. Uh, to be honest, I, I'm I'm at, I'm kind of happy by this uh, that that Terry Collins and 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 uh, Dave Wallace are part of the organization. And from what I understand, uh, Jim Riggleman is also. I don't know if that's out there yet, but Jim Riggleman is going to be kind of one of those roving advisor types. I don't think he started yet, but. Uh, um, might be telling you news, uh, but I, I like that he's a you know these are really good baseball people, and I like that they're baseball people. I like that Jeff Conine's back. Yeah. I think that's really important, and I just want would like to see some really seasoned-eyed baseball people, evaluator types, who could kind of paint a more accurate picture for them. So when they're moving forward, they're not making moves that might be detrimental. Uh, in the long term. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Yeah, and that's something that's very interesting because we saw when when Jeter and, and Sherman came in, they basically got rid of a lot of those baseball guys, Dawson and, and Conan and McKeon, I believe, was the other one. Yeah, Jack, Tony oh. Perez, yeah. Yeah, Tony yeah. Perez, yeah. And they're bringing these guys back. Now we see Terry Collins, um, Dave Wallace, all these, Jeff Conan. 
who I mean Jeff Jeff and Juan Pierre have been great too. Those guys helping out the outfielders. I, I maybe you guys know this. Does Juan Pierre have an official title with the Marlins, or is he just there? For I don't him? think it's official. Other than there's kind of like you need me today, I, I could get up there and help okay. the outfielders to do whatever. He's, I think he's. I, again, I don't think he has an official title, but it would be Probably sort of doesn't. a kind of uh, whatever instructor or whatever, uh, you know, just just great guy, professional example to, you know, if he could help Jazz and, and help John Jay in any way yeah. he can, that's what Juan Pierre needs to be. Yeah. Needs Kevin to be. did mention, very quickly, mentioned Andre Dawson. I just want to shout out Joe's recent interview. He had Andre Dawson on his pod the, on the Real Voices of the Game. I just want to say I enjoyed that conversation Oh, a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's fun. It's always good to reconnect with Hawk. That guy is unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, I love to see those guys back. And I think uh, the organization now seems much more receptive to bring in I mean, what it's just to me ridiculous that you let two Hall of Famers go, and and then Jack McKeon, who's in my opinion a, a should be a Hall of Famer, and because of nothing else, what we're seeing these these legendary figures and bastards. You have over seventy years in the sport, and you're a, you know World Series champ, a two time um, manager of the year. Uh, you know, a guy who's been a GM and took a, G- a team to the World Series. He managed a team to the World Series. You know, Jack, Jack has done it all. Uh, kind of popularized winter meetings and trades. And, and just not to have them around uh, is, I think, is a loss. And I think the fans identify with them as well. You know, you know, these people on those backfields are always fun to see. Now, speaking of managers, for those following or for those watching on YouTube, we have Victor Skip Schumacher. Oh, Joe, you've right. covered your your fair share of managers, you know, in your career for MLB.com. Yeah, way too many at the Marlins um, level. <laughs> yeah, right. Don Mattingly was the longest tenured Marlins manager yeah. in his history. I just wanted to get your thoughts, your takeaways from Skip and how he sort of, you know, is different from uh, Skipper Don Mattingly. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, the science point, you know, he, he checks a lot of bo- boxes. He, uh, you know, he knows analytics. He's, he's good with players. He's younger. Um, you know, he's going to work well with Kim. Uh, you know, they're on the same page, which is always important. Um, but you win with players you know, and you win with high impact players. So I think, you know, he's going to, I, you know, he's going to have to instill a, a culture. I think that he's, going to have to deal with patience and that might, doesn't mean that they can't you know with their pitching if everything catches that they they you know can't be better than you know i think uh but you know if they get off to a slow start keep in mind joe girardi at one point you know joe girardi came in highly acclaimed and you know very self-sured and you know uh he was like 10 and 20 and 10 and 20 or 10 and 30 at one point they're like 20 games yeah. under And they got over 500. So, you know, you could, you know, you're going to have to deal with some adversity. I think what hurts Skip is the WBC being this year is terrible for Skip Schumacher, you know, to be with that one player, let alone five or six. Um, Because like I said earlier, these guys need to get to know each other. They need to know his personality. They need to know where, you know, where he stands on stuff. And, and, and he's learning too. Yeah. And so, He's not a miracle worker, and you know he's he's says the right things. He's doing the right things, and uh, you know he's accessible with the media and and all, all signs. But again, I you win with players, and uh, he's got to find out who he can win with. 
Yeah, and something that's interesting about Skip is he, he can relate to a lot of these guys. I think we've said this many times on here, and you know we've heard many others say it. He was part of he was in that final year of the Statcast era. He's younger. I mean, you you relate to the guys. He was a player himself. He was on World Series winning teams. He play, he, he was even play, co- teammates with a couple of these players. Now he's you know with John Jay as his coach. He's coach. He's you know John Jay is under him as the manager now. So it's a good dynamic to have Skip out there. Yeah, John. Yeah. yeah. So he, it's a good dynamic to have out there with with Skip and a, a younger staff. I would say a lot of these guys are younger, and now we have Brent Brown, who a lot of players really do love. You know, from what I've heard from players themselves and what we've been seeing from the outside, a lot of these guys love Brent Brown, who was the former Dodgers, I believe, assistant hitting coach. I was not; he wasn't the official guy at one point. But I mean, you gotta love what they're doing. You know, you said it, Joe. I mean, if if the, the team needs to perform, it's all about the players. As much as we could praise Skip Schumacher and talk really good about him and many of the uh, many of these other players it, it comes down to the players themselves to to this really is, get this the is win. what what uh, unfortunately and the fact that we haven't had winning down here in forever uh, yes 2020 was it is what it is uh, yeah. <laughs> but we you you find out and you guys see it in your coverage you, you start embracing a few storylines in the context of a season. And I think so many don't recognize, you don't, you don't even know what a really good looking team looks like because you'll sit around and you might have, Hey, Sandy's a Cy Young winner. He's my story this year. You know, I had that, you know, D Gordon winning the batting title on a bad team, you know, Stanton an MVP on a bad team. You know, uh, you, you have those moments, but what, so, so Brent Brown could have a, hitter just really overperform or, or or really come to light and get a lot of praise from a player or two. But it's not necessarily in the context of the the lines moving like, you know, the Cardinals going in knowing they've got a really, really, really good chance of winning a division and a really, really better chance of being one of six teams in the playoffs. So when I'm watching them on TV a little earlier and they're they're roughing up a hunter is it Hunter Brown, I think his name is the Pitcher with the Astros, a good pitch, oh, yeah. young pitching prospect. But you, you're seeing like Dylan Carlson came to life today, and and Jack Flaherty's looking like he's showing sign. They, they're dealing in a whole different world. They're you know they're the Cardinal way is they're going to playoffs. There's a team concept. It's a team thought. It's not hey who's going to be our all star this year or who's our Cy Young guy or you know it's we we get wrapped up in five players that or maybe eight, but it it's so it's a different type of way of evaluating even your coaching staff because you're going to see certain players are going to come and be better. Like I said, they'll be, I always say this with pitching, someone surprises, someone disappoints. That always is the case. And, um, and then the same thing, you're going to have a, some hitters going to do a little bit better or a little bit worse than we all thought. Uh, but with the Marlins, it's like, where's the next wave of hitters? You know, Bladé's gone. You know, he was supposed to be, and, you know, why I wasn't the biggest fan of that that signing, that pick or whatever, you also could say maybe they quit a little early on him, uh, but he's gone. So now is now Burdick has had some good at-bats. But, you know, guys come in, they're excited. They want to make a good impression early on. The last two weeks of spring training are a different ballgame. Usually that's those final 10 days to two weeks – that's when you're starting to see. So if there's a silver line for the Marlins, if they want to lose every game now before the last two weeks and then play pl- plus 500 the last two weeks, that's a better sign than, 
winning now and you know just you're and why i say that is the pitchers are locking it right now the pitchers are figuring out the pitch clock yeah and they're building up arm strength they're trying to get through four innings they don't care what they may just go a whole a whole start not throwing any breaking balls or whatever they, whatever they want to work on they may only work on hitting the outside part of the plate they're not thinking of how am i getting this guy out they're not game planning uh but that final two weeks now the pitchers like how am I going to get them out? Not necessarily a game plan for that, like they're putting the game plan for that night, but maybe my change up my out pitch. I'm going to start using my change up to get out. You know, that that type of mentality. So uh, that's what, you know, when you're dealing with these young hitters, what what whether it's Brown or whoever in the system is working with hitters, you, you got to start building. You got to, you know, somehow you got to get Jesus Sanchez to tap in because he's got a lot of raw talent got a long swing but he's got a lot lot of raw talent and he's one of the few guys that could change a game with one swing how is he doing how's he like i think i saw someone tweet out like i guess today alcantara leaves and whoever josh simpson i can't just came in and gave a bomb or something like that it's like Mm -hmm. oh poor sandy no i i don't care if sandy alcantara has an l on a spring training game means nothing i rather actually i want to see josh simpson because you want to know you want to know, is Josh Simpson an, an answer for you? So I'm looking more at what's Josh Simpson doing rather than Sandy, other than Sandy Vila, where supposed to be. He's okay. Okay, good job. Go away. You know, I didn't <laughs> need Sandy to strike out six or eight to say Sandy's go- doing well. You don't need that. But you need Josh Simpson to show what he can do. And from all indications, okay, he gave up a bomb, but it, I guess he pitched pretty well. Struck out the side right now. Yeah, but we have four Ks or something like that. So it's like you know. So I'd rather see him get get the work. Um, that's those are the type of things I look in spring games. I'm not just looking to go across the board and see if Jazz homer today, you know, because he expect Jazz is going to hit his share of homers. You yeah. know, and not only and and you mentioned the pitch clock. Not only the pitchers have to adjust, but the hitters as well. I mean, we've seen those violations already this year from the hitters end. So I mean, those guys have to adjust. Altuve tonight. Altuve started in that bat 0-1. And he's like, what did I do? And then the umpire's like explaining. He's like getting ready and he strikes out and he's having a five-minute conversation. He just stepped yeah, exactly. in the batter's box and he's like, what did I do? You know, yeah. and, and the good thing is the Marlins haven't had too many issues with it so far. I know the first game they had their fair share of issues, but I don't think they've really had much more after that. I think DLC had one a couple days ago or something like that. But um, anything else you want to touch up on, Isaac, before we go WBC? Yeah, no, Joe, you mentioned Simpson as someone. That you, those are the types of guys you want to see. You want to see the Burdicks. You want to see the Groshans guys, you know, because this is what spring training is all about. You got to see what these guys can be. A couple of years ago, it was Blade and Meisner and guys like that. Which guys like those this spring have sort of impressed you or maybe not so much so far? Well, everyone wants to see Yuri. I mean, let's, let's just address him because he's – you want to see – you want your I want Yuri to make a tough call for them, and I don't think he – and that's no knock on him if he doesn't. But yeah. I was, I like that. I, I always go back to when Yelich and I used to have like a running joke with in 2013 because remember they got really young and they trade everybody away and everyone the hated them. And, and then Yelich like literally wouldn't get himself cut. Yeah. Like literally they're ready to send him down. He's hitting walk offs against Boston. And I was walking. You know, we're, we're walking under under the bleachers there, and I see Dan Jennings. I'm like, kid doesn't want to get cut. He doesn't want to get cut today. You know, and the, and we had laugh about that. Like mm-hmm. Yelich was literally, he was the ultimate example of a guy you knew was going down, but didn't want to get cut. And 
and every day would get you know four hits if he was in the lineup, walk off homers. You know, he was doing that. That's what I'm looking for from guys like Jordan Walker. Yeah, you know, Jordan Walker. Yeah, cut me. You have to cut me. I'm not going to cut myself. Now, Jordan Walker also, it's early in spring. They're not looking to get him out yet. So, you know, he'll get a the, – the book on him is going to be – and I love Jordan Walker, but it's like – and I hope he does that. I, I, I love – those are the stories I like. I like when the player knocking on the door makes the team. So if we were looking, the guy closest to knocking on the door is Yuri, right, in terms of impactful guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so is Yuri going to knock their socks off? And if he doesn't, that's fine. You know, it's fine. He doesn't need, he doesn't need to be Sandy right now. He, you know, just, just let him get better. Especially yeah. since he's nineteen. I mean, you said it. You have to gain that experience, and he's done. And he's looked really good at some moments. That first game, he came in looked pretty good. On Saturday, first two innings looked good. Topped out a ninety-nine, I believe. I don't think he ever hit a hundred, but. He looked really good, and I know he had this command issues to give up the two homers, but, I mean, you're facing Major League talent, and you're doing what you're doing at this point. I mean, it's going to be a hard cut at some point because you – especially with the WBC, now you lose Sandy Cueto. You're going to have to need those guys a little bit more. Just yeah, that's, it's good for him because he probably will get a few more innings. Yeah. You know, so that is good. So maybe he, maybe he does that, but I'm just saying right now in terms of crispness of stuff, not just the result, not just hitting 99 – you know, putting yeah, the ball where he wants it, um, you know, you know, executing pitches, not remember the first game. He, I guess it was basically fastball slider because he was trying to get rid of the ball at eight seconds. It was just the clock was so in everybody's head. That first game was like, oh, what are we supposed to do? Let's end the game. They want fast game. So you next thing you know, you're a young pitcher. And, and, and even Stallings noted, he was like, I hadn't caught him before. So I was just kind of letting him feel comfortable. And even like Segura had to say, you got to break the pattern. They're on you because you're doing yeah. fastball slide or whatever the, that combo was where, okay, the next pitch is this, it, that he, he got predictable. And that's that's a whole different ball game with 20 seconds and 15 seconds for, for pitchers. I don't, you know, it, you know, Verlander's just messing with people. It's funny to see the other extreme, the, the 40-year-olds, Verlander, they want to see what they can get away with. Can I throw it one second? I'm gonna, like, they, they're just messing with you. And and the, and the Marlins pitchers are like uh, the clock's running. You know, we gotta throw the ball. You know, it's but they're young. They don't have that experience or that craftiness to know I can get rid of the ball whenever I want. I could I could stand there for eight seconds and have the hitter just he can't call time because he already did call time. Yeah. You know, it's there. There are all sorts of little tricks that that these veterans are going to exploit, and the Marlins young pitchers just need to learn it. Yeah, there was a great video of uh, Max Scherzer doing exactly that, holding the ball until one second on the clock. And these hitters, they they've got no chance. I guess he already caused a, a leak email Scherzer that oh you know quick pitch is illegal. You know you can't quick pitch, and you know so the Verlander's completely like pushing the envelope with the rule. And he and I, I think we saw the other day with Verlander what he kept throwing over. You know he was testing the throw over rule. Yeah, like he it was almost like he intentionally threw over twice for a rise. They say, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I can't throw over anymore. Is he yeah. going to run? How am I going to deal with this? That's that's what, but that's what those guys are Hall of Famers. Those, those guys, those guys are completely playing chess while everyone else is, you know, playing, you know, what piece moves on the checkerboard. And I guess that's something we weren't able to get your take on last year, obviously. Your thoughts on the ban of the shift, the larger bases, and the clock. They're going to be better. I, in theory, I don't like it. You know, I don't like to mandate that but uh the the clock 
would is would the same effect be if it was 25 seconds and 20 instead of 20 and 15? Um, I don't Verlander had a great quote the other day. He was like, I don't want to throw any pitch because I'm trying to beat the clock. Every pitch I want to throw, I want to throw a conviction. And if it comes to that, where pitchers are just throwing the ball, it's almost like throwing a half-court shot to beat the, the first half in basketball. You you want to – that's how injuries are going to happen. That's how sloppy play is going to happen. And you know games are going to be decided on it. And, you, you know, that's the other thing too. It doesn't help the Marlins at – has Puck thrown yet? No. He's been backed no. up, right? Yeah. He, he's, throwing, he's throwing live BP on Thursday, both of them. Yeah, they've thrown. You got to assume it's with some sort of. You but know, they're going to have to. These are your and, and Floro's velos down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. every year. It looks like you know Floro. But you know he also has had injury issues. But those are yeah. your three three of your high leverage guys who you want who are going to come into the game with a mm-hmm. clock in their head, a guy on base, and not a lot of work in spring to kind of work through it. That again, yeah. those are things I'm looking at. You know, in yeah. the grand the grand picture of. How how are they going to do their job at their highest level? And, and I, I want to ask you because with, go ahead, go ahead. No, um, no, go ahead. I was speaking about it with Christina. It was because um, in the late inning, I think twenty seconds is okay. It's fine, but you really can't look down on your phone while watching a baseball game anymore. But in the later in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning of a postseason game, for example, I would have liked to see the clock go to like maybe thirty seconds, thirty-five seconds, because that's how the whole emotion of the baseball game. You know, at least as a fan, it you know I thought that was a so well idea. I think that. Baseball right now has been so adamant. I mean, look, at they, they were calling automatic strikes on Altuve, automatic strikes on Miguel Cabrera. They're going to the big – they're to the most popular players. They're telling Verlander, no, you get, you can't quick pitch. You you have to throw. Didn't Verlander make a oh, – excuse me, Scherzer, I think, said, uh, couldn't have a little leeway. You know, he's, he's trying to – he's baiting them. He's trying to, you know. Uh, you know, it's like the league has now forced itself to no – Rules are rules are rules are rules. But we saw it with the exchange rule a few years ago. You might remember that where if you drop the ball in the exchange, you you know, the Marlins actually won a game against the Mets, I believe, uh, on a play like that. It was a throw to third base and yeah. it was a David Wright or whoever was playing third that day, got the ball and tried to get rid of it and the ball fell and he was clearly out at third. But by the definition, yeah. the definition of the rule, he was safe. That runner scored. The Marlins won by a run. They overturned that rule like a month into the season. So, <laughs> so while baseball is very adamant about this, if it becomes problematic with that, you know, just striving to make it hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, where the quality of play or somebody gets a blows out a great young arm or something because he slips or something on the, you know, hurrying, maybe they amend a couple of seconds, but. But then you'd have to adjust to a new couple of seconds. But I'm just saying whatever would be a more comfortable time, especially in the high leverage innings, uh, that's where I think more so than the early innings that I think yeah. that would be a factor. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing is that a lot of this, I think every starter hasn't had an issue with it so far. Sandy works fairly fast. Luzardo told us on Saturday he doesn't really matter. The pitch clock isn't a big issue for him. He works fairly fast with it too. Although he did admit that he was – he was uh, trying to yeah. tinker with it. Remember, he was yeah. trying to be a little cute with it and may have rushed a yeah. pitch or two. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So, Joe, I want to ask you, I, I mean, I think all positions at this point are filled out, but there's one I kind of want to get into a little bit, and that's left field. I mean, you have De La Cruz, you have Sanchez, Jorge Soler, and Burdick. 
what are, you, what are your thoughts on that position? And Dela Cruz and Burdick have probably had some of the maybe the best springs so far. I think Burdick has taken some great at bats. Exit velos are very high. I mean, he's just getting that ball and playing Dela Cruz as well. I mean, those guys are looking good. Sanchez has had his good moments. And then Soler, I think we'll mostly see a DH, but they haven't ruled out that he'll play some left field. Um, don't you want Burdick to play every day? So I'm not, you know, he has to win the job, right? He has to win the job. So if not, he goes to AAA and plays every day. So he has to go and play. Um, yeah. Sanchez added options. I don't think they gave him one. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's out of options. So I'm not convinced he's going to be on the team. Um, they may have to package him in a trade. You know, Dela Cruz is when he's hot, he's super fun. Everyone loves him. And then he goes over two months and it's um, a little hard to live that way. Uh, John Birdie. Let's put John Birdie in, left, in center or something. Don't we want John Birdie to play more? It's, it's like, just probably why not can't John Birdie be the left fielder? It'd probably be a more interesting team offensively. Yeah, probably. I would agree. Yeah. And speaking of because I, I believe that's where um, I think Jordan Walker, if he is going to make the team, which I don't think he will, but I think they'd like to see him at left because there's just no room for him, obviously, in the left side of that infield. A question that I put out on Twitter gained a little bit of traction. It was a popular tweet. Um, just a question uh, Would Marlins fans trade Yuri Perez for Jordan Walker one for one? Joe, would you make yeah. that trade? Yeah, yeah, he's a better prospect. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yuri's, Yuri's probably a three. That's Which is fine. Exactly what I said. Oh, you, you and Isaac are just yeah. exactly for, what I said for a two hundred thousand dollars signing of the DR. I mean, that's you know, if he emerges as a two, great, you know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> probably Jordan Walker is ridiculous. That's that's we've seen it. You know, we already we've already seen it. Guys, guys with effortless power and you know feel for the game. Uh, those are those are your impactful guys. And and don't you want a um, what do they say? No. Yeah, sixty-one yeah. percent of Marlins fans said they'd rather who's, have who's Yuri. Who's forming this market, Eli? Come on! I voted. <laughs> I voted absolutely. I'm totally on board with you, Joe, on this one as well. That even now, if all things are equal, then you go with the hitter. The hitter, exactly. Especially that, these it, days. Especially these it, days with how carefully pitcher endings are being managed. Like the exactly. position player has so many more opportunities to impact your team. Exactly. The the I the, you. I like the Larry Beinfest philosophy. You always try to acquire pitching in whatever trade you make, even no matter what you did, even if you've got some sort of arm in there. But one for one, that's what made the Jazz Gallon uh, trade so fascinating because both teams are happy with that trade, yet I don't like that trade on the surface. I, I would have liked to, you know, it's like it's, it usually doesn't, first of all, it usually doesn't work out uh, for both. And secondly, I agree. Yes, you want you want the everyday player. But you also have six years of control of a kind of a two, a three, two, two, three type of guy. You know, a guy who last year, in my opinion, was a top five Cy Young Award candidate in, in Gallon. So you you don't – I prefer – yes, it's a fun trade to do that. But normally, for me, that's a huge – like, if you got Walker and Perez in a the trade, then you got Dylan Carlson in a trade. You got – you know, you got some other pieces going there. Yeah. You know, you get an arm coming back from St. Louis. It's not going to be of Yuri's caliber, but maybe he's a five, you know, right. to give you more pitching. Um, that's where, you know, it's, it's fun. These are like, you know, fantasy trades. But, you know, a, a real baseball trade would be fun to do um, to do that. But you know, those are part of a package. 
let's say it's a six-player trade. Right. So yeah. I, I was so for this trade that I would have even thrown in more on Miami's head, including Yuri for Jordan Walker, because that's just a blue chip position player prospect that Miami has not had since Yelich. I don't know if you disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yelich or JT, but JT being a catcher, well, they're the same year, 13. Um, yeah, it's that's why I know it wasn't crazy about the Bullet Day trade for Puck. It, yeah, it's on the surface. Okay, you could look at it. Two high first rounders who neither one has totally, you know, made their mark yet. You know, AJ throws, you know, 100, great, but he's got a lot of injury history. I'm moving Blade as part of a package, maybe Blade and Pablo, you know, and and go get a huge trade. Uh, you know, you bring much, you bring more back from Minnesota, you know, send him to Tampa, you know, and you get, you get a Rose Arena and, you know, have to look at maybe you know you, you you know what I mean you just you just make you 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 package those guys you don't just one for one those guys in my opinion yeah I think it was, I unless you package him with Pablo I I really haven't actually loved the Blade trade just because I think you were maybe one or two more months of Blade putting up pedestrian numbers in the high minors where he's gonna have no value whatsoever anymore so I think yeah they, but then you're okay but what if he has two good months. He has not put together a single good season in his. No, I know that. I know that. But it's just in in general. It's like you just you basically you basically for the fourth pick in a draft. Yeah. It's like you (laughs) the fourth pick in a draft. You're like he has no value, and we don't have we have no confidence, and and he's we're just gonna get whatever we can for him. It's Um, yeah, not really a great way to handle that situation right I, I think the trade ended better for miami because you get a reliever which can make can hey, get in get in as the closer i mean but he, helps you right now. he helps you right now he helps your big league team blade was not going to play on this big league team you know he's totally blocked that's everywhere. probably the most fascinating thing is they didn't even give him a chance like they they mm-hmm. were that sold that he couldn't be um, which it was like his launch know, angle, right? Rightfully so. He, I, I saw nothing from him that would demonstrate to me that he'd be able to hit big league pitching. I think he's too no, high. I'm not necessarily disagreeing, right. even in the minor leagues. He's, it was I just take Riley Green. What was the matter? With <laughs> take CJ Abrams, take Riley Green, take Hunter yeah. Bishop instead. Riley Green has had some nice moments already this spring. It's yeah. looking uh, very exciting. Well, okay, let's. Because you know I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking because I was the one guy saying to do it back then, but just okay. Coming out of high school, not one highly respected evaluator had an issue with Riley Green. Quite the uh, swing, swing on the uh, quite the opposite swing was picture perfect. C.J. Abrams, no one had a question about his swing. J.J. Bladet has a hitch in his swing. That was that was, and he was four years older. Yeah, it was like right there. It was like that. Yet, I don't know. He went five for five against Auburn in the SEC playoffs. Yeah, SEC tournament, so. yeah. Well, so, hey, when you have Jorge Posada and Derek Jeter and Gary Denbo and Michael Hill all in attendance for that five for five game, I guess that was enough to persuade them to take JJ Blade. And I think they did something not similar because there's no really high school guys after but there were, but not to the same caliber as Green. They went with Jacob Berry, six overall. I personally thought they were to go with someone like Brooks Lee, maybe that catcher Parada on the Mets. What were your thoughts on? I know I asked you this in person the other day. Your thoughts on this draft, and then I think. Well, we can- again, uh, I had no problems with the Barry because I, there's someone I really trusted uh, likes Barry. You saw him and and likes him, so I was giving the benefit of the doubt there. 
I didn't have a ton. I was I couldn't get similar intel from Brooksley other than what the usual suspects were writing about him and saying about him. Uh, there's clearly some issues to be a, at least mildly concerned about with uh, Barry Swing. Um, you know, he's, but, you know, there, unless Lee really makes it, I don't know. Like the high school kids were the, with the draft last year, you know, that was, yeah. you know what I mean? The, you were, you weren't going to get Jackson holiday. You weren't going to get Drew Jones and, and Elijah green was slipping, but he didn't slip that far. I, I don't think they would. I was hoping Jamar Johnson. I don't think they would have taken him. Tamar, Tamar Johnson, you know, the Tamar Johnson, excuse me. Uh, it were like, these are, you know, really exciting prep players. And yeah. when the Rangers jump in with Kumar Rocker, like right away and push that line down, yeah. like what if Green was there? Would they have taken him? I don't know. I'm I not wish. sure they would have. They probably would have. have. I don't think they would have taken him. No, they him. wouldn't have. But it would have been yeah. great. You would have had your center fielder for the future. I mean, the K rate's ridiculous. But the, and the yeah. potential there. But the yeah. the tools itself. Like I, like I was telling people, I think – Elijah Green's the guy that could get a lot of GMs and and draft, you know, directors fired. Because you miss on that, yeah. then you're fired. But if you were right and the and the red flags were too great, then you were then, you know. But that, that, that tool package the tool package is just ridiculous. And I know you're so salty about that one, Joe. That twenty eighteen. Oh draft. my goodness. Are you kidding me? That, that's, that was the beginning of the end. Shane McClanahan, Bo Naylor. Who else was in that one? That was a lot. Tristan Casas was right there for you. Wasn't Alec Manon and Logan Gilbert in that one? Logan Gilbert as well. That that might go down as one of the greatest first round. Or, or first round. That, that was a really that, good first That 18 draft is ridiculous. Yeah. Adley Rushman. Yeah. So, so many other teams made the same wow. mistake after the Marlins. Because Casas didn't Or was Rushman by 19. I, I might have to double check on that. Casas was 18. Class yeah, of was class of 18. 18 was 19. really good. Rushman was 19, yeah. 19, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. With Witt. Witt's going to be a superstar as well. Oh, yeah. That kid, that kid's special. That's going to be special. Any teams really in the NL East? I guess just to shift more baseball in general. Any teams in the NL that you think are going to be pretty good that weren't last year? Like, you know, the Cubs, Diamondbacks, those type of teams? Diamondbacks, if they're pitching, their bullpen's gonna be real spotty, That's but they have a fun. chance. Yeah. Um, they got speed, they got athletes, they got some good young pitching. Uh, Giants, Rockies aren't there yet. The Central, you know. Um, the Cubs really. could make a. The Cubs. The Cubs are. I don't like. I don't like building that way. You know, with all free agents, <laughs> it's like yeah, yes, they have some. It's like usually not the best formula. Um, yeah. I don't know why the people don't like the Phillies more. You know, it's almost like, you know, the Phillies are really good. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah. Dombrowski does such a great job. They're, they're trying to copy a, a piece of them. The Marlins are kind of trying to copy some of what they did with the bad defense and amazing offense, huh? Yeah, but it's like they – It's not the same. People – but it's but they got – they improved their defense. They went and got Brandon Marsh to play center. And exactly. then they, you know, got stopped up. And when they got stopped up and moved him to so short, soft. now you got Turner. So stop, you know, so they're they're strong up the middle. Yeah, I know we we know that Castellanos and Schwarber are bat first by a large margin, but it's not yeah. it's not as plotting. And they for what Bomb got a lot better. He was dreadful for a while. Um, 
you know, so, but they're, they got a nice team going there. They got a nice team. What do you think of the Mets? We've seen the Mets a few times. They look really powerful. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they're going to be good. Yeah. They always get better, but at the end, of, they just—I don't know, man. The Braves sometimes just like we, yeah, we haven't seen Atlanta, so you know, are they going to miss yeah. Swanson? I mean, that's a big loss. That yeah, is a big, big loss, loss, and we have to see what they do at shortstop. But I think Grissom could be pretty good there. Yeah, I just don't know if he's an everyday shortstop. That's really, really hard to be. They're really rolling their dice on it, though. It's really rolling their dice on it. But again, you know, from a Marlins standpoint. You know, how are you going to punch with these guys? I, I just don't see it. You know, it's like, and I, you know, it's why I kind of wish they would have a longer lens and say, Kim's on her last year, right? So why don't you yeah. just say, hey, look, we're going to extend Kim. If we catch lightning in a bottle this year, so be it. But we're not going to do anything hasty or stupid and try to be more than we are. I know we've asked the market for patience before, but. Let's build it more right than, you know, kind of go all in with because right now your farm system's not what it was two years ago. Not even close. You know, yeah. Outside of Yuri, you're, you know, you're really thin right now. And uh, yes, Dax, but, you know, you're asking a lot for, from him as well, you know. Uh, and then you're, like you say, you got your big league depth is, is, is not what it was. Yeah. Well, you touched on it perfectly right there about Kim and her status where it's kind of on ownership to lead that longer term vision. If Kim is on the last year of her deal and she doesn't have full assurance that she has like years to work with, then it's hard to blame her for wanting to accelerate. No, no, there's no doubt. But it's like, what do you what what is it? You know, win more games is the goal. I mean, are we going to be happy if we if, if you had me on in October and like, hey, guys, we won 76 games. And we're only 10 out. Are we just be like doing cartwheels like this is wonderful? Like, wow, <laughs> we're the best 76 win team in baseball. You know, it's like, what is it? You know, is is it anything better than 69 wins? Is that where's the bar? What is what is a happy year? Oh, well, we won 76, but we lost X number of one-run games, so we really were 82 and 80. So everyone gets an extension. It's like what? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, our our good friend David Sampson says the the worst place to be is in the middle. You're winning, and seven. he's right. He's, he's right. right. Of course he is. He's right because it's hard to make that up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it'd be different if it'd be different if they're there with everything knocking on the door. It's like you need the Hail Mary pass. Like the Dimebacks, if they got to 80 wins or 78, 80 wins, they got young controllable guys. Corbin yeah. Carroll and the, you know, they probably will sign at some point. And and you know, get these these guys that are okay, now we're making this and then next year and the next year. We're now we're we're in the conversation. This That's is our window. Yeah. Where's the window? The window seems like now or never. The window is Sandy. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. When they signed Sandy to that contract, you basically tried to open your win your championship, not championship, but playoff window or improvement window, I would say, because I don't think this team is even close to a World Series. Joe, before we close it out, what are your 2023 expectations for the Marlins? Uh about what the 2022. <laughs> I think a team looks very similar. So I think it's gonna yeah. be that kind of year. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. All right, and I think that we could close it out here. So Isaac, from Eli, from Joe and myself, we see you guys on the next one. Peace out and go fish. We got to end it off right. <laughs> <laughs>